If you'd remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 28. Then King Darius wrote the following decree to all the peoples, nations, and languages inhabiting the entire earth. I wish, wish you much peace. I now issue this command. In every region of my kingdom, all people must fear and revere Daniel's God because he is the living God. God stands firm forever. His kingship is indestructible. God's rule will last until the end of time. He is rescuer and savior. God performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. Here's the proof. He rescued Daniel from lion's power. And so Daniel was made prosperous during the rule of Darius and during the rule of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Before I begin this morning, I want to give uh, talk two things or tell you all two things. Uh, the first is this coming week, uh, we're going to be sending out a survey and email link uh, for you to click on, if you would, please. It'll take you to SurveyMonkey, where we need you to take a survey as we're starting to look ahead at Christmas Eve, because it's appearing that social distancing is going to be a thing for Christmas Eve, and that means our six o'clock service might break the rules a little bit. Um, so what we're going to do is, is offer some options, see who's planning to attend Christmas Eve services. If people are planning to definitely not attend Christmas Eve services, this is a way for us to know. Also, we're looking at adding a service, and so um, we wanted to, to gauge that. So then as we prepare for Christmas Eve, we can make sure we include that service, one, in all of our advertising, but then also we can um, offer the service maybe in the time that works best so that we can have... Um, a great Christmas Eve. I know it's going to be different, but we'll make the best of it and it'll be all right. Uh, with that being said, I also want to thank you all today for the Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Thank you for the cheer, although you weren't a cheerleader, right? No, Missy wasn't a cheerleader. I, you know, it definitely, I think cheerleading is harder than it probably looks. I wasn't a cheerleader either, so that's all I can say about that. Uh, Tuesday night, we had our church conference and thank you to those that came and for those that, that weren't able to make it, I just wanted to, there was a part that I shared. Uh, church conference, normally you share the pastor's report. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about a lot this past week was just uh, how good we have been even in this 2020 as things have been so weird since the middle of March. So whether you've been worshiping in person or worshiping online or listening to the radio broadcast, I just appreciate each of you. Uh, you've been full of grace and encouragement as we've dealt with the shutdown, as we've rolled over to an entirely online worship service for a lot of weeks, and then, although some churches are still online only, um, and then we resumed in-person worship and have slowly kind of continued adding things. I just have appreciated uh, your willingness to just kind of pace into it. I know some of us have wanted to go faster, some have wanted to go slower, and I get that, and I respect that, and I appreciate the way we've all been able to do that for each other. And so thank you for your notes, your texts, your emails, your words, the other ways that you all have been an encouragement. Um, uh, you know, the past eight months have been a challenge, and I think what we've had to do is react to different decisions that are honestly quite out of our hands. And so really what we've had to do is just with support and with grace and with encouragement, walk this with each other. And so I just appreciate each of you so much. And so this morning we're going to be looking at one of the uh, Sunday School Classic stories that's 
probably one of the more larger than life ones. It's one of those that, that I think every child growing up in the church or even if they own a children's Bible, they are going to read this story because it's the story of Daniel in the lion's den or Daniel in the den of lions according to our video. I think it's a Sunday school classic because it's a story of life and of law and of kings and of officials and of rebellion and then it's of lions and who doesn't like lions? And so if a child doesn't like lions, well, at least they like or, or are fascinated by them because they're just so different. And so in this morning's video, we're going to take a minute to watch. Uh, the video shows pretty much the entire story of Daniel, and then we'll focus in, or this portion of Daniel's story, and then we'll focus in on our scripture and how this portion of his story can speak to our lives and intersects with our Christian faith. The Israelites were living in a foreign land the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel, who was one of those Israelites, became an influential leader in King Darius's court. God gave him a very special ability to understand and interpret people's visions and dreams. All over the court, people respected this wise, kind, and godly man. The king promoted Daniel to the position of governor over the whole kingdom. As Daniel rose in the ranks of the government, some men became jealous. Their envy burned so fierce that they devised a sinister plan to remove Daniel from his post. The jealous officials knew Daniel, an upright man with good character. They knew this was going to be a hard task to turn the king against him. At last, they came up with a plan. The king could sign an edict that declared that everyone had to worship only the king. If anyone failed to do so, they would be thrown into a den of vicious lions. Darius liked the idea, but he had no idea what these sneaky men were up to, so he quickly signed the new law. Daniel was his friend, and Darius would never do anything to purposely harm Daniel. Now the law was set in place, and no one could change it. So the evil men slunk over to Daniel's home to spy on him. Since Daniel worshipped the one true God of Israel, he prayed multiple times a day. The jealous officials knew they could trap Daniel and report to the king of Daniel's disobedience. Their chance came. They gave news to the king, and the guards came and arrested Daniel. By law, Daniel was to be thrown into the lion's den. Helplessly, the king watched as Daniel was thrown to the lions. Quickly, the soldiers rolled a stone over the mouth of the den, and the stone was sealed with the king's official sign. Daniel found himself in a dark cave with huge lions all around, ready to rip him apart. But something happened. God closed the mouths of the lions. There, in the dark lion's den, Daniel was surrounded by God's saving power. The king was overjoyed the next morning when he discovered that Daniel's God miraculously kept him alive. Daniel was taken out of the lion's den and restored to his leadership position. The king then arrested the jealous officials and threw them, their wives, and children into the lion's den. Their evil plan backfired, and they paid with their own lives. It's 
So this week's a great video. It's a great video because we're looking at the story of Daniel. Daniel, is uh, the video mentioned, and you all know, was a Jewish man who was from the city of Jerusalem, uh, which would be the southern kingdom of Judah, who had been brought to the capital city of Babylon when the Babylonians conquered the, the, the country of Judah. And so under the Babylonians, Daniel was recognized, and the scripture tells us this, he had an extraordinary spirit. And so he was made one of the 120 satraps, which would be administrators that the Babylonian king Darius appointed over the land to administer and rule throughout the kingdom. And so out of those 120 satraps, three were appointed administrators over the 120. And so Daniel was one of those three super satraps or whatever title they gave them, the Bible doesn't tell us. However, of the three, if we continue to read the scripture, it tells us that out of the three, Daniel rose and became the one. And the scripture tells us this, it was because of his extraordinary spirit. And so basically, Darius recognized his gifts, his graces, and his other attributes that allowed him to excel over the other two super satraps or administrators. And so Darius's plan was to put him over the entire kingdom which would mean that it would be Darius and then Daniel and then the other two administrators and then the 120. And so Daniel was, would have been answerable only to the king himself. And so those who were equal to Daniel heard of Darius's plan and the decision resulted in jealousy and anger from the other administrators in Darius's court. Why was Daniel the one? They were jealous, they were angry, they were frustrated that this man from Judah, who was a prisoner essentially, could be lifted up in power and prestige over them. Were there not Babylonians who were better equipped to do the job and to serve the king? And so I appreciate the story and the way they illustrate the other administrators going to work immediately to try and figure out a plan to find, who, uh, find a way that, that they might prevent Daniel from being appointed by the king or elevated as Darius has planned. And so as they looked, they found, they tried to find ways that they could, could uh, get Daniel. They were trying to find chinks in his armor, if you will. But instead they found that he was honorable, he was upstanding, he was trustworthy, and so they didn't have anything that they could do to trap him. And so that's what they did, is tried to find a trap. And so their plan was to use their king and his trust of them to their advantage. As they said, you need to declare an edict so that everyone in the kingdom will bow to you. And the king signed it, not really knowing what their plans were. Which is our first lesson today. Don't sign anything if you don't know what it's about, right? And so I have to pause for a minute and say that, isn't this one of the stories? It's a good one to read a couple weeks before the election. And it reminds me that politics hasn't changed in 1,500 years, has it? People still work their hardest to get their best deal, whether that is who they endorse and what they get in return. And so the story reminds me of the willingness of people to stab each other in the back in an attempt to position themselves for whatever it is that they desire or they think that they are best suited for. 
And so maybe the first thing that we can learn from this morning's scripture, after saying don't sign anything that you fully understand, is that we can learn that in Daniel and the lion's den story, we can be reminded that part of our, our sinfulness in humanity causes us to do and act in ways that we betray others. And we hurt others or we do to others whatever it takes to get ourselves ahead. And see, I think it's appropriate to say, you know, to look at politicians and say, you know, that's what happens. But I think we can also step back and say that you don't have to be a politician to hurt someone or betray someone or do something to get yourself ahead at the expense of them or their families or someone else, right? Because we're all susceptible to that. Because we're all susceptible to sin and to making those choices and to doing those things. And see, I think the interesting thing that we can possibly read from Daniel's story is that Daniel got to where he was, not because he played the game that we're talking about the best, did he? The scripture doesn't tell us that he was the best uh, wheeler dealer. It doesn't tell us that he had the most contacts or that he was willing to put himself in front of anyone else. Instead, we read that he had an extraordinary spirit. And it was because of that extraordinary spirit that he was chosen. And so later in the story, when he is caught by his adversaries in prayer and he was hauled before the king, we read how Darius didn't want a punishment, how Darius expressed remorse and frustration and anger that his most trusted advisor would have to be punished because an an edict was irreversible. And so even as Darius pronounced judgment on Daniel, he said, may the God who you serve deliver you. And so Daniel was thrown into a pit that had lions in it. After being put in the pit, a large stone is placed over the entrance, uh, the entrance and they would put a cord with, with clay around it to seal it. And Darius pressed his ring into the clay so that it would show that it had not been tampered with throughout the night. The scripture tells us that Darius fasted that night and he did not even have any entertainment during the evening. And he went the next morning to check on Daniel to see if he was still alive. Daniel was pulled from the lion's den and the king celebrated his deliverance. And the result of that is the scripture that we read this morning. Where Darius said to all of the land that, Dan, that the God of Daniel is the living God who stands firm forever. His kingship is indestructible. God's rule will last until the end of time. He is rescuer and savior. God performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. Here's the proof. He rescued Daniel from the lion's power. But think about Daniel's story. It happened because of his spirit, didn't it? Because if we read the scripture, it tells us that Daniel's extraordinary spirit allowed him to be someone who, who trusted God, who sought God out even when he found himself in a foreign land, an extraordinary spirit when he heard of the decree that Darius had passed, that the people were all to bow to him. Daniel still had an extraordinary spirit when he chose to continue worshiping the God of Israel, not behind hidden doors, but in a way that he always had. See, I don't think it was that hard when the other administrators got the edict passed and then they went to find Daniel. I don't think they had to go and peek through windows or anything else. I think Daniel went in prayer in the way that he has always done and he had always done. 
Because the scripture doesn't tell us that he went in secret. But what it says is that he went in prayer and those who came to find him found him engaged in it. They didn't have to knock down doors. They didn't have to open windows. I think they went and they saw someone worshiping God in the way that he had always worshiped before the edict. And he was going to worship God in the same way after. Now see, here's where I think we learn from this story. I think we see it as a Sunday school classic when we talk to our children about faith and about what it means for us to trust God and what it means for us to look to God, even in times and even in places where things just you know, seem like they're all against us or we seem like, like we're about to get thrown into the pit. That's why it's a Sunday school classic for our children. Well, it's also one for us. But I think today we can also ask, what was it about Daniel's spirit that made him extraordinary? That is something that you and I can pursue and choose for our lives so that when we are in whatever place we're in, others can see not that, that, that we're living in, in you know, a muddled way or an indirected way, but we can see that we are living in a focused way because God's spirit is at work in and through our lives and he makes us extraordinary. So how do we pursue an extraordinary spirit? See, as I look in Daniel's story, I read of someone who, who trusts in God. I read of someone who worships God in all things. I read of someone who placed his hope in God, his trust in God, who was willing to see that, that God could and would use him even as he was in a foreign land, even as he was a prisoner in the, land, in the city of Babylon, even as he had been taken from, from the city of Jerusalem where he had grown up and, and been born and lived. Friends, an extraordinary spirit is essentially someone who allows God to expand their vision for who they are and for who God wants us to be as followers of him. An extraordinary spirit is someone who allows and asks God to expand their vision for who they are and for what God calls us to be as followers of him. See, folks, that's something that I can pray every day. Not just, God, let me be faithful to you. Not just, God, let me be trusting toward you. Not just, God, let me serve you, but... God, expand my vision for who we are, for who I am, for who you are, and expand my vision for what you call me to be as followers of you. Because, friends, then we can have a spirit that 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 describes, where it says, God doesn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, one that is loving, and one that is self-controlled. That's a spirit to pursue God's first, that seeks God's grace, that seeks God's guidance. And that's a spirit of someone who is willing to step back and got, let God take priority in our lives as we serve him, as we live for him, and most importantly, as we worship for him. So my prayer today is that we might have an extraordinary spirit that allow God to expand our vision for who we are and allows God to help us to see what he calls each of us to be as followers of him. Amen.